Power Sander Extraordinaire, <laughs> Mackenzie Brennan. So for our first episode, I really wanted to do something super light and jovial. Um, and then <laughs> Alabama and Georgia and Missouri had other plans. So. Oh, I thought you intended to be dark and that was just tongue in cheek. Oh, yeah, this is why we're choosing to do it this week, the week that yeah, uh, it's inescapable. Alabama and Georgia and Missouri all passed extremely uh, restrictive abortion laws. Um, and counting. And it seems counting. like the last count was like five proposed with three of them having passed. I actually have... But it's tough. It's tough to keep track. I need like a... It is. It has been one of those um, Alabama, camps. Arkansas, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri, Ohio, and Utah um, have all recently passed uh, laws that um, restrict access to abortion. Um, the most restrictive have been in has been Alabama so far. Um, Alabama has an all-out ban on abortion, um, including cases of rape and incest. The only exception yes. is uh, in the case of a mother's life and if there's a fetal abnormality. What are they, <laughs> they defining as fetal abnormality? I think it's that, that they would not be able it. to survive outside the womb. Because honestly, that's when a lot of the abortions that happen later in pregnancy that's why they happen it's not like people are tripping down to the Planned Parenthood and saying like I don't think I want to do this anymore (laughs) so obviously this is a huge issue for women basically since Roe was passed states laws have um, either made rules that prohibit um, you know you you require access to a hospital um, or like weird zoning stuff like Mm -hmm. there was one a couple years ago that was like the width of hallways in abortion clinics just in case you had to roll a gurney through which never really was a requirement safety wise in Mm -hmm. any of the clinics nobody ever had any issue with that but it just essentially funneled everything into hospitals which meant there were fewer locations there were you know bigger backlogs you know not small places one clinic in your state yeah or you have to go out of state the case but these are the first ones in recent history and I would say like since Roe because of what Roe prohibited that don't prohibit things based on those kind of roundabout workarounds that aren't directly about abortion but you know the the intention is to like chill access but these ones because they are so direct I mean they're saying after six weeks after eight weeks or if you're a provider and you you provide one those are they're not pretending to be anything that they're not. And there's yeah. no accident to the timing that now... Well, in Alabama, especially, they were directly saying that they were passing oh, yeah. the challenge row. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I actually... I don't have a problem, you know, in, in, if it's in the interest of protecting women's health by assuring that they have access they to quality care. They are. And honestly, that... Typically, the best way to do that would be to establish more of these clinics 
ensure that they're regulated and that there's good oversight and that the providers are vetted because in terms of women's health, even though that's that's usually like what they use as the reason for doing mm. a lot of those things about admitting privileges right. and stuff like that, there's no actual like link between women's health suffering and somebody not having admitting privileges or right. like the width of hallways. So even though, yeah, in theory, and I absolutely agree with it, mm-hmm. being a legitimate interest um, in a practical sense, that's never really what the restrictions tend to address. And in fact, a lot of the restrictions that we already have about, you know, medical licenses right. and the procedure those itself, those are that. already there. So yeah. uh, the states that have passed heartbeat bans, which... Um, Quote-unquote heartbeat, quote yeah. Heartbeat <laughs> they uh, basically prohibit abortions after you can detect a heartbeat, which is not actually a heartbeat. Yeah, um, it's something like cardiac, like magnetic activity in the poles of the yeah. embryonic sac. <laughs> uh, at, at, at six to eight weeks, you can detect that what will eventually become the heart is letting off pulses. Yeah, um, it's kind of something zipping around in there that's electromagnetic activity. Exactly. <laughs> um, and that's actually recent, before they weren't able to detect that, now because of um, science has improved, they have been able Great. to. Um, but the heart doesn't actually finish forming until um, about 12 weeks or so. And even then, it's an ongoing process throughout the first trimester, which is when 90% of abortions take place within the first trimester. Yeah. It's throughout 91, that 91, in fact. Oh, 91. <laughs> 91 and change. Yeah. Um, up, up until the end of the first trimester, it's there is that's when all the organs are being formed and it's a it's a process that goes on um and so these these laws are called heartbeat laws but that's actually a bit of a misnomer because it's it's yeah. not technically a heartbeat at six weeks or six weeks or eight weeks um and it's meant to characterize fetuses at that stage which at that stage they're essentially embryos and there's not a whole lot more to it right. um it's meant to characterize them as babies which is a very easy thing for people to picture and if you don't understand what's really going on or understand that fetal development is a process and Mm -hmm. it's not like a moment of life. Well I don't think that we're ever gonna agree on when life begins because if you talk to some people it's the moment of conception. To me there's not a lot of scientific basis in that. It's more about yeah that's more about beliefs I think. Yeah because even if you look at the bible like they the biggest basis that that people who cite you know, Christianity and Judeo-Christian tradition as their reason beyond just like the church's teachings that aren't textual. Um, Usually they'll cite like, oh, well, there's, there's this line about, I knew you when I, something like I heard you in the womb or like you moved in the womb. So like that's, that for centuries has been the basis of when you can regulate and it used to be called the quickening. And it's essentially when the mother can be... Like a horror movie. I know. <laughs> no, but it, it's like when fetal movement is detectable to the mother, which is usually like about halfway through the pregnancy. Obviously with science, you can detect movement earlier now mm. because of imaging and things like that. Yeah. But there's no great religious basis for saying like, no, terminating pregnancy before... Uh, a lot of women, especially in biblical times, would have even known they were pregnant. Right. Is prohibited by the Bible. There's nothing that says that. Yeah, and actually, so this has been talked about a lot, but at six weeks or eight weeks, it's usually two weeks, three weeks after your first most period. Yeah, because um, they measure it from your last period, not from right. the date of conception, which is kind of bizarre, but they'll measure it from your last period. So you figure if you have a regular cycle, everything's mm. totally, you know, on the dot 
calendar which month after so month, which is so, so uncommon. <laughs> and also assuming that you're really attentive to your cycle, which yeah. again, who knows, maybe you're moving that week, maybe yeah. you're busy, I don't know. I know a lot of younger women, there's like teen, no teen pregnancy, yeah. they, might, they might not even know until they're three, four months pregnant. Right. Yeah. So if you think like, okay, we're measuring from the last period, that means two weeks since conception mm-hmm. would be when your period is due. So now you're already called four weeks into your pregnancy, even though you conceived two weeks ago, and then two more weeks, and you think, okay, how long does it take to realize that I missed a period? Maybe a week. Mm -hmm. So now we're already at five weeks, and certainly no physical indications. No. And what's so funny about states that that have really restrictive abortion laws, so often they prevent women from getting abortions earlier, so they actually right. force them to get well, abortions Well, that's a medical later. thing, too, because you can't abort until the embryo has attached to the uterine wall, which, you know, that's kind of how Plan B yeah. works, that it prevents attaching, but at that point, there's nothing really... Which they try to make that illegal under the Alabama law, which, yeah. again, if you want to... If your goal is to prevent abortions... That's a good way to plan do it. B is yeah, not put them in vending machines. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen some colleges do that, like have plan B in vending machines. And honestly, if you have more access to plan B pills, birth you know, control. birth control, yeah. education about what causes pregnancy and how to recognize it mm-hmm. and how to prevent it, that's how we prevent abortion. But if you if you have laws where you, there's only one abortion clinic in your state and it is five hours away and yeah. you can't take off work or it's in, in another state and you have to drive there and so you have to schedule it you have to be able to afford it in a 24-hour waiting period in some of these states period. so that's all two that's days. doing is pushing it further into the yes. pregnancy right. which is exactly isn't that what you what want to avoid you want to avoid yeah you want it to be happen as early as possible and i think going back to the science aspect again we can talk about you know science being able to detect earlier on but that doesn't change the fact that we just the development's no, not there. It's, yeah. Development's not right. there, and there's just no, there is no indication. Like, there's no consensus on when. No, and I think the only way we can guess. get closer to a consensus is to really discuss like what the scientific realities are, which is why it's so funny to me that men get so self righteous and involved in this conversation on the anti choice side because you you really don't know what a woman is feeling at that point and you don't know what's going on inside so how can you pretend to have such conviction about life having begun at that point mm-hmm. like at the 6 to 8 week point i think it's you know no no brain development no neurological function which like mm-hmm. you were saying means no pain receptors no like nerve activity right. no bones no heart, <laughs> no heart. Uh, no eyes, no, like, senses, no, um, reproductive organs. They have a tail, though. Yeah. So, and I think it's five millimeters, which Mm. if you look at that in person, that's, I mean, it's a blip. It's like pencil-lead space. So, and it's, I think that it is, you know, when we're having this discussion, it does get very heated because people are picturing, um, when they picture a fetus at, they're picturing, know, a weeks, they're picturing a newborn, like a smaller newborn. <laughs> and again, if you want to prevent, where my heart really, li- where my heart really lies on this is, if you want to prevent abortions altogether, it's not criminalizing it that's going to do that. Right. It is preventing unwanted pregnancy. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah. I mean, we're ne- we're never going to get to the point where abortion is altogether prevented because no. this is going to happen whether you if you if you create laws that prevent legal abortion it's going especially to happen especially without creating a good alternative 
within those laws. Like, it's not that we're saying, you know, everybody has access to free monthly birth control and condoms. So if you get pregnant, you really have to ask yourself, how did this happen mm-hmm. without intending to do that? There's no alternative written into the laws that would say, we really don't want this to happen. And we understand that a lot of people have relied on this service mm-hmm. for decades to centuries if we're talking about illegal. Right. Um, but we're just going to take it away because we have some amorphous concept of why this non-baby matters more than its mom. Well, and it, it's also like if you look at countries where abortion is completely banned, if you look <laughs> at, and actually I was reading that the Alabama law is on par in terms of how much it restricts abortion with, um, with countries like Guatemala and Syria, um, and it's... If you look at those countries, if you look at countries where abortion is completely banned, abortion doesn't disappear. Right. It doesn't stop happening. It just becomes more unsafe, and it happens in literally in, in bathrooms. It yeah. happens in back, it, it, you know, use back alleys, but it's really like back rooms. And that's certainly not saving those babies' lives either. I mean, if that is what your professed concern is, it's not like those babies are are going to survive that sort of thing. Right. Just exactly, because a yeah. medical professional isn't involved. No, it's not. It 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 doesn't. It that just puts one more life on the line. If you yeah. really believe that that's saving, like you you're, you're going to be saving lives by criminalizing abortion, what you're actually doing is just putting more lives on the line. And I think so. Going back to the laws themselves. So again, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri, Ohio, Utah. Um, a lot of those uh, states are in the Did south. You mentioned Louisiana states. before. Louisiana is uh, is considering. A bill oh, okay. um, that would look similar to Georgia and Pennsylvania is as well. And Pennsylvania is as well. But luckily, they have a Democratic governor who has said, you know, if it crosses my desk, I'll veto it. Um, but which Louisiana is good for actually also being. has a Democratic governor. Oh, okay. Um, and he's he's a pro-life Democratic governor who says that he will pass it only in um, the South, right? Oh, <laughs> only in Louisiana. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about what those laws actually mean for women in these states. Um, again, it, some of them are uh, six to eight weeks, which are effective bans on all abortion because yeah. most women won't know. Some of them might find out earlier. Some of them may be able to schedule, you know, those those uh, abortions earlier. But again, if the if the line is you get it in before eight weeks, or the doctor who performs it goes to prison for ten to yeah. ninety nine years. Ninety nine being the max is insane. It's incredible. And one thing that people have pointed out was in Alabama where there is a there's no exception for rape or incest hmm. um uh, doctors who perform abortions will go to prison longer than rapists and I don't yeah. know you know <laughs> we talk about how Republicans have a woman problem <laughs> and I I just can't really find a better example of why and how do you justify that how do you think that doctors okay? who perform abortions in prison longer than rapists and it's, it, I think it just like if you are pro-life and you want to um if, if you want to prove how much you value life in any phase in any form and more Not than anything else in the world exactly. <laughs> it's this this idea that by criminalizing doctors who perform abortions and putting them in prison for nine nine years you are somehow proving that you value life and I think that it's and it, what's scary about this is that so Alabama and Arkansas I'm sorry Alabama and Missouri both have stipulations that uh, the woman won't be criminalized, but the doctors will be. And I, I mean, don't think that's that they're, they're really splitting so hairs there yeah. because if the healthcare provider is not going to do it, 
she is punished essentially by bearing this unwanted child like that well, is a sentence brought up to me that so it's, it's the mother will not be criminalized for seeking seeking an abortion okay but if a doctor refuses to do it and she tries to perform an abortion herself where does then that she is her? the there's provider huge, in essence yeah, yeah there's yeah. a huge gray area georgia does not have a stipulation that the mothers would not be criminalized that does not mean that they so there's a little bit of georgia was here. the eight weeks i'm sorry georgia was yeah the eight, okay i believe it was maybe georgia was six weeks but it's six eight weeks it's a heart georgia's a six you're ban. right you're right yeah um they had a heartbeat ban and what so if you are um a mother who had a miscarriage and i think this applies to all of the states where abortion will be outlawed because you can like there are stipulations that obviously will protect women um in the within the laws but if there is this huge gray area where abortion is outlawed and if you if like women are having miscarriages especially in georgia but i think that there that there could be this could happen everywhere you're going to get pulled into an investigation about whether or not you actually miscarried or you had an abortion. And it does create that slippery... I'm sorry to interrupt. (laughs) It creates that slippery slope of when the state can control your activities while you're pregnant. And I think that should be something that libertarians, while they should already be very scared by the idea Mm -hmm. of abortion being restricted without any good basis in the law or scientific fact, that gets really iffy if you think okay i'm a diabetic mother and i had too much sugar or i was told that maybe a glass of wine is okay and then i had two or you know what if you fall down poor women who maybe you have two jobs and you overworked yourself maybe you this is gonna uh, this is gonna affect poor women this is gonna affect women who have addictions this is gonna affect women who are already um a demographic that is Vulnerable, vulnerable and targeted and honestly the ones who don't have options because I've heard a lot of people talking about how wealthy white and privileged women will still be able to get abortions and I don't I don't love that rhetoric in terms of this conversation because it is something that if I we had a somebody in our community like 50 years ago or so and this mm-hmm. was before Roe and so I guess more but he had to fly to Sweden with his wife Mm -hmm. and he was a teacher at a local high school and he was demonized in the community because he went all the way to this other country and we knew that that his wife had had an abortion and it was all very scandalous but if you think about even that being the best case scenario like oh you can afford to go to Sweden and get an abortion there Mm -hmm. it's not good it's not it's not easy I couldn't afford to take a week off of work and then you know get insurance in somebody else's healthcare system or find an appointment because in Canada even though the socialized medicine Mm -hmm. you can't get an appointment quickly yeah so which again just pushes it further. Yeah, I don't love process. the whole rhetoric of this will only affect certain demographics, but it certainly will affect them more, and they're ones who are also not supported by welfare or tax subsidies or, mm. you know, funding social programs in these same states. I mean, Alabama, there's been a great analysis of the intersection between education statistics and uh, infant and maternal mortality rates and mm. things like um 
high school graduation rates. And yeah, they're very, very low in like all of those things. in education. Yeah. So it's not like they're supporting these mothers who don't have other options, are seeking abortions, and now can't get them. And they're not right. supporting the kids either. There's a misconception, I think, that either A, all pro-life people support these bans, which is not true, or B, if you are pro-life, you should be or have to be supporting these bans. And I wanted to bring up, um, I found this amazing uh, op-ed by this woman, let me find her, Catherine Cadalis. And the headline is, I'm anti-abortion Christian, but Alabama's ban will do more harm than good. And Mm -hmm. one of the lines that I um, loved from her is that, first the obvious, this is from the piece, first the obvious, laws that restrict access to abortion are not an effective way to end or greatly reduce the number of abortions because people will continue to have abortions regardless of the law. We actually know how to reduce the number of abortions. (laughs) Most of these ways involve being honest about how and when people have sex and giving people the information they need to have sex responsibly. If you look at um, the list of states in the U.S. that stress abstinence-only education over more comprehensive se- uh, sex education. I'm going to bet they're not the states that have passed the bans. <laughs> oh, that stress abstinence-only. So oh, stress abstinence-only. They, they so they are the ones. Yeah. Conception. Yeah. Or not conception. They may still mention contraception. They may still mention, um, you know, birth control and things like that. Um, but Maybe the ones that passing. are required to stress abstinence-only um, – it, on the there's, there's 26 states and on them are Alabama, wow, Missouri, Mississippi, Utah. How's that working? And out Ohio for you guys? and Louisiana. So <laughs> so they really should. I mean, if that were working, they shouldn't have to ban abortion, and right? <laughs> there are, the research shows that states that have abstinence-only education have higher teen pregnancy Absolutely. rates. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, also, in California, in 2003. Um, they passed a law that required comprehensive sex education that included um, healthy discussions about birth control and contraception. And just two years later, by 2005, even though there was a nationwide decline in teen pregnancy of 37%, in California in just two years, mm-hmm. the statewide pregnancy, teen pregnancy rate dropped by half. I mean, that should be a dream come true for people if they really, if, if you, it's really abortion that they're concerned about. Absolutely. If it's really, you know. But so often we see people who oppose abortion also opposing um, birth, like, you know, yeah. talking to teen, teens about birth control, um, subsidizing birth control, making abortion, uh, birth control easier, <laughs> making birth control easier to access. Planned Parenthood, which is often the place, or, or things like Planned Parenthood are the places that will give those alternatives as well. Absolutely. And I think that also there's this misconception that um, women who get abortions are all, you know, one kind of demographic. And it's it's a, it's a convenience thing. Uh, in um, 2005, uh, there, was a re- there was a study done um, that asked women about the reasoning for why they had abortions. And they, they could give multiple answers because there are usually multiple reasons. Um, 73% said that it, they did it because they could not afford a baby at that time. If you want to talk about honest reasons for preventing unwanted pregnancy that results in abortion, you have to talk about how we help mothers. Yeah. Um, you have to talk about sex education. And children of those mothers who otherwise mothers. don't want You have to talk to about moms. how, I think, and this is something, um, a good friend of mine, um, who writes for The Bulwark and other places, um, she wrote a piece about how pro-lifers need to change the culture. Around, instead, of, instead of criminalizing abortion, they need to change the culture around life in general. Like, if you are on the pro-life side of it and you're looking at, like, how, you do not want to criminalize abortion. You do not want to put doctors yeah. or women in prison for abortions. 
how do you change the culture around that? One of the biggest ways you can do that, that is proven in research, is giving women support before, during, and after their pregnancy. And the tough thing is that that will be throughout their life and their child's life. And I think that's why I I feel like the pro-life narrative is kind of a false one in many ways, because as much as I agree with you that this is the way to confront it and if you really are opposed to abortion and you feel that like this cluster of cells is a living being on par with that of the mother even though it can't survive on its own um then yes absolutely those should be the things that you're focusing on i just don't really see a lot of people who are in the conversation on the anti-choice side really caring about that and it often starts to sound like just a mechanism to punish women and even the conversation about convenience, it, it's almost how you define what's a convenience concern and what's a necessity concern. So right. I think this is like a good time to share what my experience story, was yeah. because I'll start out by saying that like I probably could have been a parent. I was financially comfortable. I was in my last year of law school, so I was poised to graduate and get a job. My now husband was getting his PhD in engineering like we would have been comfortable i had a supportive family that would have put money into it if we're talking necessity versus convenience my decision would have been convenience based Mm -hmm. but first of all i think the idea of imposing parenthood on anybody just because you don't think it's enough they don't want the child because it's inconvenient why do you want that person to be a parent anyways Mm. but the other thing being I found out I was pregnant right after a missed period, was pretty Mm -hmm. attentive and pretty regular otherwise. So everything kind of went as well as it possibly could have. And frankly, this kind of addresses another false narrative that I really hear from just about everybody who discusses abortion. And that's that, you know, it's traumatic for everybody Mm -hmm. and nobody wants an abortion. And I saw some tweet and I can't credit it off the top of my head, but... um, They said, let's stop saying nobody wants an abortion and start saying nobody wants an unwanted pregnancy. But if you have that, abortion is what you want more than anything else. And then they compared it to nobody wants appendicitis. Right. But if you have an appendicitis, you're going to want an appendectomy. Um, But my experience was so smooth and convenient. I called them on like a Thursday, got in on a Saturday, and this was Planned Parenthood in Brooklyn, New York. So shout out to them. (laughs) Um... I was about like between five and six weeks pregnant and so a side note that you cannot tell yeah. at all unless you're one of those people that has very no, severe I side effects yeah. it's so crazy oh, yes. like, and later you're like oh yeah that was the yeah was by like, the way I was <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. when I saw you I had yet to tell my then fiance okay, so no, I, I had no like idea. found out and I'm like yeah. fuck <laughs> and it actually was kind of a positive because my husband had cancer when he was a kid mm-hmm. Um, had prolonged chemotherapy on his, like, upper leg area, and that was before he hit puberty. So he yeah. was told, like, it's very probable that you will not be fertile mm-hmm. as an adult man. Um, and we want kids eventually, which is another funny thing about yeah. having gotten an abortion. Um, so the fact that he is able to conceive, and that I am too, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, shit, this is great this is wonderful news for us. You're not infertile. Yeah, we kind of always had this cloud over our heads. It's like, what if you can't? 
What if that means that pregnancy will entail a lot of money and medical effort and intervention and, like, failed attempts, things like that. So this is kind of a positive. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely not when you expected. Yeah. (laughs) And it was two days before my 25th birthday, so happy birthday to me. And um, my abortion doula, who was provided by Planned Parenthood and held my hand and talked to me. Did not even know existed. What an awesome thing. (laughs) She That was her entire role. She was just like, hi, my name is uh, whatever. I wish I remembered because she was so great. But she just kind of held my hand and like petted me mm-hmm. while the IV started and she's like so I see your birthday's coming up happy birthday it's like oh you like, know we were gonna talk about that I got a thing thank after you <laughs> but um the other thing was that my due date would have been roughly within the three days that the bar exam took place right so you were like you were in the middle of your last year of law school yeah and it was such that like it would color everything about my last year of law school and law school was really the thing that would make me an okay provider to an eventual child and if I didn't have that then first of all a lot of wasted effort on my end and second of all why would I feel equipped to be a parent if I didn't even finish what I had set out to do for myself before right. I wanted to do that? And I think I think that is something that um, kind of goes missing in this whole conversation about you know readiness. Yeah, like convenience being, is an okay factor. Yeah, I be, think to it's consider like, it's being equipped yes. to provide for a child. And even if you don't care about the woman, you should care about the child enough to want them to benefit from what benefits both mother and child. Right. So, exactly. And I think the way that it's framed is not totally the the way that I mean convenience. I think it's kind of like, well, women are doing this willy-nilly, which, again, we get I back to preventative stuff. I hear all the time use abortion as a form of birth control, which is like, no. Hey, you it know how to prevent that? Their birth control. It's <laughs> because like they don't have access yeah. to birth control, or their birth control You're faulty. so close to getting or it, you guys. I know, it's like, you hear that, <laughs> it's not pocket change. Even in New York, which is... You know, arguably one of the the best places to access abortion. I think for me, with health insurance, it was Mm -hmm. 500. Good health insurance, it was 500. So if you you can choose between that and plan B, you're going to go with plan B. But again, if you don't have insurance, if you don't have access to... Which then people should be such proponents of Obamacare and like... Because... Universal health care insurance. Abortion declined after ACA. Abortion has been declining between... I think it was 2005 and 2014, it de- uh, the, the uh, annual number of abortions are kind of like 200,000 abortions. Right after ACA mm-hmm. required employers to mm. provide birth provide insurance for birth control. Great. So it's like, you look at, when you look at comprehensive sex ed and how it affects, again, going back to California, how comprehensive sex ed in high schools brings the pregnancy, teen pregnancy rate down and therefore yeah. the abortion rate down. When we talk about how access to birth control brings the abortion rate down when we talk about how just again resources for parents, parents and parents. children once because it when, they when tra- are there to your point 73 percent of people said that they couldn't afford a baby 74 percent of people because and, and this was so they basically like reasoning twice. for okay yeah so they were they were checking off multiple reasons why they had mm-hmm. had, had an abortion it was also because it would directly interfere with their career education like parenting the kids they already have and that's another misconception is that most women who have abortions already have children yeah so it's, it's like there's so much mythology yeah. around this subject and i don't know how it's been allowed to thrive and i think i think we know it, it i mean yeah it's, it's it really traces it, it down to this is about punishing to, women to perpetuate those myths yeah but again going back to like if you really 
you, you again you were saying like no one want like the idea that no one wants an abortion yeah. you I did when I was want, pregnant <laughs> when you say like no one wants an unwanted pregnancy yeah. it's because there's the word unwanted in it like exactly. no one wants that nobody wants an unwanted pregnancy there and you go <laughs> there are ways to prevent that from happening there are ways to and there are ways to help women mm-hmm. who maybe do want to keep if they, if they decide right, not, if you know, that's the only factor that, like, oh, boy, if, I want to be a parent so badly, which, again, I would I would guess that this is pretty uncommon, that somebody desperately wants to be a parent and they make the choice to get an abortion because of the money factor. It's probably not one of the more common reasons for getting abortions because often people will prioritize the emotional, which is absolutely understandable. I probably would do the same. But if women believe but, that they would have support, yes, how much would that change their reasoning? Yeah. So if they're like, because there's, I think and there's things so many like childcare, childcare, like for every family. And this is something that is almost never talked about. Yeah. The impact of childcare pricing on yeah. families, young families, because it is so expensive. Childcare in America is so expensive, and a lot of moms just decide not to go back to work because their right. entire there's salary no would go into providing childcare. And then you get into the gendered impact of forced parenthood. Yeah. And it's never the men who are the first line defense of staying home. Nine mm-hmm. times out of ten, it's going to be the mother. And that's even if you have a two-parent family with a man and a woman. Yeah. So first of all, we're cutting out all the ones where fathers don't stick around. And mm-hmm. even there, you've got the enforcement of child support duties yeah. that falls by the wayside. This really, if you trace it down, is going to impact things like women's education, women's um ability to participate in the workforce women's ability to be financially independent without a partner being the primary like breadwinner and then you get a whole new generation of young women and men growing up with Mm. those people as parents and then we get back to the 1950s and we see how that worked out Mm. women went crazy (laughs) (laughs) i think that a lot of people make like they they make this legislation with the assumption that everyone else has their exact life path and it's like, oh, because I am in this powerful position making these decisions, and my kids, we're never going to have to worry about my kids, because even if they have an unwanted pregnancy, they're not going to be impoverished. My kids won't, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's a charitable assumption to assume that everybody who advocates for this kind of legislation actually has that much of a thought process about no, rationalizing mean, it. I think that there is, but this lack of empathy, women's like, yeah. lack of empathy for people such who a are li- literally living, they're barely making ends meet as yes. is. They cannot take off work. They cannot raise a, another child. Yeah. And it's this, It's like what you are doing is instead of offering solutions for that person that would actually lift them out of that, mm-hmm. you are doubling down on your oppression of them. What creates that? If you support criminalization of abortion with, and, and do not support su- – <laughs> I'm saying this so horribly – and do not support mothers throughout their pregnancies. Alternatives. And, 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 and yeah. alternatives. I just don't think that you can call yourself pro-life. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I don't think pro-life was ever anything more than a rhetorical device to begin with. Yeah. It, and it's and it getting does, very hard to apply facts and logic to any of these positions. I, I mean, it always has been difficult to justify pro-life, meaning pro-life. I, I mean, if you look at the southern border and they're putting actual babies and human beings in cages, that should be your biggest a concern. Yeah, a, a toddler died... And- in Very recently, recently, yeah. On the border. So been... if you are so concerned about babies, shouldn't this have been your biggest talking point 
up to and through the passage of this it's law. It's such a shiny mm-hmm. object that Republicans dangle in front of their base it's to get nasty. them to vote for awful people. So it also, um, there was one of the people who I believe um, was instrumental in passing the Alabama law, but it may have been Georgia. Oh, it's Alabama. Um, he when when asked about fertilized eggs. In terms of, like, IVF. Yeah. Um, he said, the egg in the lab doesn't apply. It's not a woman. She's not pregnant. See, that really that doesn't give highlights what it's about. Yeah. That, like, it's, it's like, it's you don't actually think that fertilized embryos or fertilized eggs or embryos are You're people. not concerned. Yeah. You don't think that. You just think that a woman should not have You want a baby as punishment for, yeah. For and that's, oh my God. You want to create the a number of people I've punishment. seen like, if you don't want to get pregnant, keep your legs together. But like, not talking about all the right, male boys. aspect that, yeah. of that at all. It's the only people who they think should be sexually responsible yes. are women. And the irony is that sexually responsible is one piece of it, but then you got the financially responsible things like child exactly. support are very yeah. unenforced. Uh, and I saw a great again. Twitter produces a lot of gems that I I can't credit. <laughs> on the spot but there was a great thread about how much of this really traces back to men and things like women don't have to have an orgasm to have sex but often men do if they're gonna have sex so that's one thing and men's orgasms cause pregnancy women's don't um women are only fertile for like a small window out of the month and a small portion out of their lifetime men are always fertile so if you really trace it down to it men are the only cause of abortions oh yeah i wouldn't want to pregnancy in general yeah what there was actually this woman who she was um a mormon mother i think she had a a, i think she was like she had like five kids that's i think that's the same thread yes yeah oh yeah this was a while ago and she was she was talking about she was laying that all out Mm -hmm. and she's like if you really want to talk about statistics what's gonna, too, yeah. yeah. And she's like, if you want to really talk about like what will prevent abortion, um, vasectomies on unmarried men, Fuck yeah, who don't want to have kids, or married men who don't want to have kids, um, will completely eliminate abortion because they're reversible. Or male birth and when control. you decide to have kids, yeah. you can just flip that around. Like heck yeah. But when when like women when that is even like brought up jokingly, it's sh- immediately shut down because it's like. Oh, no, we weren't talking no, about uh, no. our bodies. We were talking about your also, bodies. please make health insurance pay for my boner pills while you're at it. No. I think we're getting louder. I think it's, yeah, it's getting more heated. I'm getting flushed. I know, I'm like, is it getting hotter in here? And so I do want to touch just for a second about, like, what the actual legal issues that would arise from this will right, be. Right, you're a lawyer. So, yeah, I play one this on TV. Why- um, <laughs> so... A lot of people are talking about this overturning Roe or being an attempt to overturn Roe. The actual standard right now is Casey, which is from Planned Parenthood Mm -hmm. versus Casey, which happened in 1992, I believe. And with that, I came into the world. So that's kind of nice because it cut back on Roe. So so Casey was a lot of these um, other restrictions like the 24-hour waiting period, um, parental consent, Things like forcing people to look at the heartbeat and look at the ultrasound and get a transvaginal ultrasound, which basically there's no medical necessity. It's just like, let me shove something up you and make you very uncomfortable. Mm. And so those were all affirmed in the course of Casey. Uh, It did reaffirm that there is a right to abortion. It said that there is no fundamental right to abortion, which in a legal sense knocks down the right in terms of the protections and the scrutiny standard that courts will apply to any restrictions that states impose. Um, So at the risk of getting too into the weeds. I love it when you get into the weeds. (laughs) Okay, so 
Um, there are certain rights that get strict scrutiny. So if a state wants to regulate something like discriminating based on race, that gets strict scrutiny and the state needs a really compelling interest to justify any regulation that's going to target someone based on race. And courts will then evaluate under this very high standard what a sufficient interest is. So in things like college admissions, you're allowed to consider race as a factor because diversity on college campuses is a compelling interest. So technically it's like a race-based regulation, but there's a good reason for it. So lower categories of rights, like women's rights to privacy and control over their own bodies, are not on that level. And that's what Casey did. It knocked it down. Um, who was the um, who was on the Supreme Court when that was passed? Oh, I boy. I, Sandra Day O'Connor definitely was. Um, I'm guessing because she was the opposition. No, she was kind of... I want to say she did a concurrence, which is that I agree with some points and I don't agree with others, or oh, okay. I have some other point that I want to make, but the court didn't sign on to it. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, she she wasn't the best, but she definitely was not the worst, especially as conservative justices go, which is more reason to just like get women mm. into positions of power, even though the fucking Alabama mayor or governor governor yeah K-I-V. was a woman. Yeah, yeah, and you know but, what's really funny about Ivy that I just hmm. a statistic I love. Um, so she passed this law, and one of her reasoning was that she wants to show that Alabama values life. Do you want to just? guess how many executions have been oh yeah done. and i saw something of like a mentally disabled inmate who was put to death in one of the states i think it's six executions have uh, been done on because we value life because we, we value it. i mean we value the life of people that we perceive as um, valuable. valuable and that is not women it is but, oh my god but what if the fetus is a woman what do we do then? And then we get into the situation that China has with the one-child policy. Oh my god, dude! China is one of those. I actually was pick your dystopia, about Carolina, the other night because you're talking about like the yeah, pick your dystopia for real because this is like the, the in that situation. Ironically, the motivation is still misogyny because yeah. it's this weird thing where it's like they once didn't have you any start playing with the um with the with the genetic pool or the hu- like the human pool too yeah. much um yeah china they just all the a lot of all the women young got, men. or all the yeah all the girls got aborted because they wanted boys in the family or killed once they or were just, born they just yeah have, and then they just yeah. throw them away um and now they have to ship in wives from other countries yes. sometimes sometimes trafficking them. Yeah. yeah and and they just and then they say like if you have a baby for me you can go home it's the craziest thing and, and you it's leave the just, baby or yeah they want they want a baby but they don't need the wife anymore so they're just like because those men who are doing that awesome single parents i bet they're gonna <laughs> yeah. be so great raising these kids but on their own a, there's a shortage of females in china yeah right now. And, and i don't know also a, a, a very huge decline in population right now wow because yeah. they can't have babies because they're all men there's just a, a nation of this men. can only go well going forward oh lord overpopulation for like cause them to pass the one child law yeah which now has resulted in a massive decrease in population so it kind of worked out <laughs> it all i mean yeah. it's gonna sink it way past what it should be and but everybody's yeah. gonna be fucked up and i mean if you're talking about a generation of kids that are parented by a sex trafficker and an absent sex traffic woman yeah a woman who is sex trafficked or we're gonna have, have a fucked up generation because they have so few women women are like they're like basically are like how much money will you give me if like as a dowry oh hell yeah and Rich dudes are getting married, and yeah, you poor really dudes could are have like some control. Yeah, in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie's like, 
Maybe I'll pop over there. <laughs> all right. I think is there anything right. to touch on before we? Uh, I'm okay. just. Oh, first let's all, make a prediction things. about what'll happen. So yeah. Um, it doesn't. Court the, the laws wise. do not go into effect until 2020. So if you, there, yeah, abortion is still legal as of now. Yes. So if you live in any of those states, you're kind of good until okay. 2020. There are also some services where you can get abortion pills in the mail, um, for free. And when we actually put this out, we should look Drones. up like the drones are dropping them now that's great like uh care packages but um so a lot of legal scholars are predicting that oh the the bottom line to casey is that there are certain interests that were justified and so once the the point of viability has happened and that's the measurement in casey of when you can regulate abortion which is great because there's no legal standard about what viability means and there's no medical standard really that's consistent about what viability means but like Kind of if it can live outside the womb, right. I guess. Which actually is also really Which is also now changing. Because now they are, like, they're growing um, lamb fetuses yeah. in like, packets. So that's a very tenuous... It's like very much on the... Line. Yeah. So, but that is the point at which states can regulate now, and it's because states have a quote-unquote legitimate interest, term of art, in lives of mothers and potential lives of citizens of that state. Mm. So... Those are the interests. So that is also very good to keep in mind when we're thinking about what the justifications behind these laws are, because you certainly can't say it's women's health. And I think you're very hard pressed to say that after six weeks, we're talking about a potential citizen who is viable. So in all likelihood, if state courts and federal courts don't strike this down on its way up, which they might not, even though Casey is the law of the land right now, Because we're talking about the states that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think that John Roberts especially is not somebody who's going to want to be branded by being the chief justice of the court that overturned mm. Casey and Roe and got rid of the right to abortion. I think we it would, be a, it would definitely be a 5-4 scenario and Roberts would be the tiebreaker. So in all likelihood, we'll make another step, maybe farther than Casey did, in cutting back on the right, the allowable standard, and what the basis is. So it'll kind of lay a framework for if future courts want to basically make it not protected, they can use this as a jumping off point. Just like Casey did. Even just in the interest of having a balanced court, Lord help RBG. Yeah, no, I think she's just surviving on spite now, and Godspeed, girl. She just got a huge surgery. I know. She's still ticking. Yeah. Godspeed indeed. All right. If they're going to yell at us for, like, getting them just based on convenience, I'm going to start doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Or we can give to Planned Parenthood and, like, you know, do all the nice um, things that we can. Just donate to (laughs) services that help, that support women's health and support just in general women. And fucking support the women in your life. And if you're a man, don't act like this isn't about you. It's absolutely about you. Speak the fuck up right now or else you're going to be a parent and you came out of one. All right. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. I'm on the lookout for...